By the way, did you see the watermelon thing? Like, I saw five watermelon pictures this morning, so I presumed that there was something going on with watermelons. <laughs> okay. Okay. to Charge Podcast, Episode 5, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen Williams, and joining me today is your co-host, John Edgar. How you doing, John? Hey, Owen. Coming to you live from New York. Dude, I think that uh, was the first time we didn't mess up the intro. It was beautiful. Yeah, we got it the first time. I knew how many times I've messed it up. One day we'll make a supercut. Hello, I am Owen Edgar, and this is the next... (laughs) The next John. The next next John (laughs) podcast. (laughs) This week was pretty, pretty... I would say, I was going to say interesting. I usually lead in and say, oh, this week's pretty interesting. But honestly, it wasn't that interesting. I'd say this week was (laughs) pretty boring. If you're listening, maybe just just delete this podcast. I'm kidding. There there were a few things. Uh, (laughs) What? Uh, I'm just kidding. Owen, uh, sassy we're today. Great at endorsing our own podcast. No, uh, so so this week Facebook went basically all in with live streaming. They announced that they they are replacing the messenger button in the Facebook app with a live stream button. They want you to live stream. They're going to let you like draw like Snapchat on top of your your live video. They're going to add filters, all this crazy shit. Who wants to live stream? What happened with Periscope? Well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I just hear you say that, and I did not read that, they are removing the message button the messenger and replacing button, it yep. with live streaming? The messenger button. The messenger button and replacing it with live streaming. Yep. There's going to be a whole tab that's for live streaming, so you can see anywhere in the world who's live, which seems like a great idea until you give it to a billion users. Uh, because, you you know... you get, It sounds like madness. It's, it's going to be full of porn and just weird shit and... Five, well, it's probably already full of it, right? It's going to be awful. Uh, I mean, I guess our world is full of porn and weird yeah, shit. Yeah, it's true. But you know what Facebook's like with this, right? They don't allow naughty on Facebook. It's banned. So I just don't understand how they're going to police it and who wants this. Like Periscope, Periscope well, let's go back to back a little second. Periscope launched, what, a year ago? So Facebook is pretty late to this first of all and second of all periscope was like a bang and that was it like it it launched and then it was over um so i don't really see well what are yeah what are they trying to accomplish with this i don't really like that's if you're gonna do live aren't you like isn't snapchat just really good at that kind of stuff so that's what i i think is going on here is the they're trying to make live the platform like snapchat but an actual publicly live version of it but i i just don't see the value in that what i just don't understand why i would go live on facebook versus just putting a few snaps in my story i don't know it's way less um scary right when you go live it's like uh there's literally no way to filter it and snapchat is like to me quite unfiltered but that's like next level when you can't really control actually what's going to happen next I I don't know. It just seems to me a play to get more video on Facebook. They're really juicing the video, the video algorithm, right? I know you don't use Facebook much, right? But uh, in your newsfeed, yeah, yeah, in your newsfeed at the moment, it's just videos and videos and videos. And there was a report from the information this week that said that um, Facebook. Finally, that is what my newsfeed is. uh, There you go, video, video, video. There was a report from the information this week that said that Facebook has struggled so bad to get people to post 
in the last two years that they're just trying a lot of different stuff. They actually have a whole team internally dedicated to getting you to post more. And it's a, it's a bunch of growth hackers basically that they add a lot of little features to the app. So there's a new modal at the moment. If you open the app and you haven't posted in a while, you'll see like in the, what, what's on your mind box, um, a stream of all your photos that are on your phone. And it says like, Oh, you can share these directly. And I'm just like, stop, stop touching my camera roll like it's yeah it's just creepy so i only really, use the facebook.com app yeah. i've never installed it in my phone really? i don't know i just yeah Damn. i mean i don't really understand the point of facebook these days anyway generally so i mean yeah. it's not but i suspect that this video thing is probably targeted at people who are not us <laughs> right right well, yeah, people who want to stream something random. I don't know. I saw yesterday there was a, the probably the first time I've ever seen a famous Facebook video was BuzzFeed taking it to the next level, like always, uh, where they, <laughs> they, they did a 40-minute live stream of them putting rubber bands on a watermelon uh... to see if they could make it explode. It was It was both a thing of beauty and horrifying just to like see the state of humanity. I, I was I was out and I, I was hypnotized by it. I was watching a freaking bunch of dudes putting rubber bands on a watermelon in a bar. It's super sad. <laughs> but it was, it was really interesting because they got th- uh, three quarters of a million viewers uh, on that video. So it's, and that was simultaneously. I don't know what people they've got now. So it's really interesting to see is that really the next thing? We're all going to sit there and watch the same thing on our phone. It's weird, man. I, I don't know. Uh, Maybe. I guess that makes sense as to why there was a million photos of <laughs> melons in my Twitter timeline today. Watermelons. That's, there were melons everywhere. I actually, I was, I was curious if, um, if it was a big enough thing to get news headlines. And of course it was quite interesting. I went on Google news and typed in watermelon and there was 50 aggregated articles about how the watermelon incident changed live video. What world is this that we live in? Pray tell. Well, man. Meanwhile, Elon Musk was uh, landing a rocket on a barge. So that guy's pretty kick ass. What a crazy cool dude. I don't understand. Yeah. So yesterday I watched the watermelon thing and then, um, 20 minutes later, I jumped on YouTube and I was watching Elon Musk's team at SpaceX launch a rocket and then 20 minutes later landed on a barge yeah. in the middle of the ocean, automated without any human interaction. It's pretty crazy. Do you think Elon sleeps? I mean, I would imagine he doesn't sleep. <laughs> I, I would imagine know. he's always thinking. Well, I just think I love the way that he approaches things. And I also love how all of his company's technologies sort of play nicely together. Like, his batteries and his solar panels and his robotics and his AI, like his software all seems to kind of Mm. be translatable through all of the kind of different companies that he's built. It's really fascinating. And they all fund each other, right? So the whole, the whole Tesla SpaceX thing is pretty interesting because the, they all kind of help each other to exist. I mean, the Tesla strategy is fascinating. If you, I mean, so did you pay attention to the new car launch this week? I saw, I I saw quite a bit of noise about it. It was basically what the model three, the latest, the latest of Tesla's cars. I honestly, I sound like I know nothing about cars right now, but so no, he had this, he had this, the model three, I think it was like basically the most refined Tesla that they've, you know, put together. And I think this was going to be yeah. like the, and yeah, cheaper. it's like, this is the beginning of, 
of the beginning, I, th- I feel like, for them. And they got 325,000 yeah. pre-orders, I think I remember it saying. Damn. I, I, mean, I presume that they're going to have yeah. to like raise some cash or something like that because that's a hell of a lot of uh, capital going to be required to get that kind of production flowing. Like, That's crazy. Right. It's a lot. And I was talking actually yeah. to Ben Yuretsky, who's the CEO of DigitalOcean last night. Uh, he has a Tesla, whatever the last one oh, is. Yes, yep. And we were driving around in it. And actually, it was my first time in a Whoa. Tesla. And yeah, it was cool. Uh, and I said, Ben, like, when was the last time a brand new car company just came from nothing? Mm. Like, and he was like, uh, yeah, good point. There hasn't really been a brand new, like, there's not been a new Ford or a new GM. There always offshoots or Toyota. of something. Like, yeah, of something else. So this is like a brand new car company. It's super cool. Yeah. And I mean, Tesla's whole thing was to disrupt the industry because it was uh, moving so slowly with electric cars that Elon thought it could do better. It's kind of one of those things that it feels like to me. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like this, but he woke up one day and he's like, I really want to fix cars electric cars i want to fix them and so he made a car company like i i I could imagine that so it's it's interesting there's a really great post on this this website called wait but why i don't know if you've read their stuff but it's it's really interesting it's just a guy that draws comics basically in microsoft paint but he actually got access to tesla elon musk and spacex with elon and he went around and he he tell he tells the story about these in these shitty comics but it's really interesting I'll, i'll paste the link in the show notes but the Tesla story is really fascinating because the whole point of each model of their car is that they they catered to like the luxury market first, which funded the development of the next car, and then that the Model S it funded the development of this next car, which is cheaper and more for the masses. And then the whole point of this car is to fund the future of Tesla in general, right? It's going to fund the development of the car that's truly for the masses, a real every man's electric car right and then by then i guess we'll be self-driving cars as well so it's it's an interesting play i'm i'm pretty excited about it like if there's anyone to bet on it's tesla right it's crazy oh yeah absolutely i think at the end of the day if they can get like a 10 twelve thousand dollar electric self-driving car into you know the hands of of middle americans that's a that's a game changer like that's gonna do a lot of things for um the environment and it's going yeah. to do a lot of things for safety. I've hear, I've been hearing a lot of people say this, like, I feel like every time I have a conversation with someone about um, self-driving cars right now, the conversation inevitably goes to, well, we're only five years away before humans are banned from driving because they're so bad right. at it. And yeah. like literally every single person who talks to me about self-driving cars has that comment to make. Which <laughs> that's really interesting. I, I hope that's not true because I love driving. Yeah, but I guess it's this this thing where you have to remember that maybe driving becomes more of a recreation thing and you go places to drive. I you know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think that humans will be banned completely from driving in the near in the next decade or two, but I do think Why that, not? I don't I don't think that they'll ban it completely. I think there'll be too much struggle. They will absolutely encourage self-driving cars but i think at the at first a lot of them will be dual mode cars like what you're seeing with tesla for example they have this whole autopilot thing that can mostly drive the car but it, you know you can en- engage it and disengage it because that way like dude people love road trips right I yeah don't know. but i think i do think that in the next 10 years people will be banned from driving i I'm think gonna write this down i think somewhere yeah <laughs> do put in a 
someone <laughs> call me in 10 years and hold me to this. But no, because look, dude, the technology is really good today. Yep. It's getting faster and faster with basically deep learning and neural networks and 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 the software being able to train itself and and add context itself and understand what that means and then make itself better and better and better in the next 5 years like i can't even imagine how right. many more multipliers are going to come out like well, you have to i think, think like that people don't realize like how fast <laughs> yeah things are moving way faster than people think they are i think mm. I, I think it'll be interesting for me, I mean, I haven't owned a car in a while, so I, I bike everywhere in Amsterdam, but it'll be interesting for me how it changes streets themselves as well, right? Because if the cars are that good, what does it do to the pedestrian environment? What does it do to the to the the cyclists? Does that suddenly mean that the cars only need a very small amount of fa- space to reliably drive around? Like, how, do, how does that change city design? How does that change the way that that works as well. So, well, Owen, let me I'm, tell you because that's what I spend yeah. my days thinking about all day, every day. It was a, I had a uh, lunch with a guy by the name of Aaron Wren. Um, he's a cool dude. Uh, audiophile or urbanfile, sorry, dot com uh, is his website. And he writes for the Manhattan Institute and the City Journal. And one of the things he, he him and I talk a lot about what's happening in city tech and kind of how we're building out our stuff. And one of the things that he mentioned was the amount of revenue generated by the cities, by the municipalities from parking infractions and speeding tickets and stuff like that is huge. And that revenue goes back to the um, municipal works and to, uh, you know, fund the arts and stuff like that. And so if we get to a point where, um, where that revenue is not being generated, which it, it would be good to be at that point, how are mm. cities replacing that money? How are they replaced? It's kind of the same as the Airbnb and the, the Uber argument right. of, of, of negating taxation. How how are cities making money for themselves when uh, the traditional ways of generating revenue are being negated by technology? Yeah, I mean, there's that wider question as well of um, how self-driving cars disrupt the labor market too. So it's like there's less money overall in the pie for everybody except the people who own the self-driving cars so i mean there's going to be a lot of fascinating times interesting questions to come and i think that so like i i don't know if you read the geo hot uh, the story about geo hot on bloomberg a long time ago but he he's famous for being it's, his actual name is george hots so we'll refer to him as george but he had a piece on bloomberg for being the first person to basically rig a self-driving car up on his own car so he oh, yeah, read, he bought a lidar that. he he he's yeah he coded up the software himself he used deep learning and neural networks and he took it on the road and it worked i, I think the fact that even that exists and so he got funding this week 15 million i think to develop that out if that works it's going to happen way faster than we think as well if you don't have to even buy retroactively car, if, the, if the, he was saying i mean yeah he was saying that you could put it on anything from 2006 and up. I mean, that's probably just a guess, but it's still pretty impressive. If they can do that, it'll it'll change overnight. You'll probably start seeing countries or states going to self-driving only. Well, what, happen- be a- what happens to the insurance uh, industry? Well, they try and but own do you, self-driving do you, cars. Do you, you insure a self-driving <laughs> car that like 99.99999% of the chance never gets into an accident? Like what's your insurance rate on that what's it going to do to insurance of cars and auto insurance is a huge chunk of their business too so i'm sure that's something they're thinking about a lot 
So we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot in the coming Slash weeks. Slash years. Uh, so the other thing that was kind of crazy this week is a rumor or a uh, kind of insider source tipped that Google is looking to support Swift as a development language for Android as a first-class citizen, which means basically it won't be as good as Java, but as quite as good, but it'll be pretty, pretty, pretty good support. And so you could build, yeah. And so for background, Swift is Apple's development language. So that's that's really interesting to hear hear that Google Swift is, is actually considering it. I mean, I think it makes sense. I I heard every every developer I've talked to about Swift, and I've played with it a little as well. Uh, they they swear by it. They're like Objective C and Swift are night and day. There's still problems, and I'm sure we're going to get a couple of notes being like, no Objective C. But the the it really comes down to it's faster. It's the the methods are more efficient. It, it works great. So it's interesting to see that Google is even willing to consider that. It really changes the game if they're if you can target any OS with the same basic. Yep. Um, I did a podcast with yeah. Alex Williams, uh, the Next Web podcast, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and Jerry Chen from Greylock was the other person um, on the podcast, and we were talking right. about um, basically like the the potential death of the internet um, being replaced fully by a mm-hmm. by a more mobile native mobile application story. And, um, at the time that was something that I was thinking about a lot at DigitalOcean because obviously, um, the vast majority of our customers are, uh, web developers and and run web apps. And the thing that really got me, um, alarmed about it and like kind of hot and bothered was when I was at some college hackathons. And there were all these comp sci kids and I would like be talking to them about DigitalOcean and they'd be making right. their like hackathon uh, project or whatever. And I'd be like, hey, like make a Node.js app, make a Go app, make a, you know, deploy a, a, a Flask server, whatever. Right. And hmm. all of them were like, nah, I like I, I learned Java <laughs> and uh, Objective-C in school, and now oh, there's no. this Swift thing that just came out last week, and it's amazing, and I can get this great functional application and access to all these native APIs, and my distribution is awesome. I can get it into the app store, and all my friends have it on their phone. <laughs> and like, Yeah, we're screw the internet yeah. and screw uh, Android. We're all writing Swift. And I was like, wah, 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 alarm bells. If, if, if the college kids are all saying... <laughs> And mass, like hundreds of them that I would meet at these hackathons. No, Swift is the thing. Well, then Swift is the thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, wow. I'm not surprised Google's done this. Wow. They should. I mean, everyone, people don't look at these dark horse technologies and really understand how they um, set these balls in motion to change um, the direction of applications over the long term, which which changes which yeah. changes the devices that we use, which change the software platforms that we use, right? At the end of the day, if you have mm. a consumer app that runs really, really amazingly um, on your iPhone and you like want that app more than anything else in the whole entire world, maybe you're going to ditch your Android platform and go to, uh, to uh, an iPhone for it, right? And that, and that, that could simply yeah. happen by virtue of the fact that that developer three years ago who made that app that you just had to have use Swift, right? It's, it's and really so, interesting. I think I was just kind of thinking, and maybe this is off the mark, but it's really interesting to see, you know, on the web, everything kind of started to converge to JavaScript 
recently it just kind of happened and it seems if this happens it seems to be happening on other platforms too is everybody's converging on at least some sort of standard so there's none of this like i mean there'll always be holy wars i was going to say there'll be no more holy wars but no there'll always be holy wars over what language is better but it's interesting to see that and that's what i love about working on the web though is is you can walk into any new framework or whatever and most of the time it uses javascript and it sounds like that actually might be similar on mobile soon. So that's pretty exciting. I'll be following that one pretty closely. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of typical bad media around it because it's like Google's using Apple's thing, but it's an open source project, so there's no reason that they shouldn't. On the topic of Google, this week... So wait, last week we talked about Nest, right? We talked about how I was they're struggling. Yeah, like someone Tony sent Fidel's. a friend of mine sent me a message and was like, "You were too, you were too mean last week, John." Yeah. Oh, we were too mean about I'm Nest. Like well, well, we're dun, dun, about Nest, John. What's, what's Tony doing now? <laughs> it's not really. It's it's kind of Nest. Well, it's not really Nest. It's so this week uh, the Nest guys announced that. Uh, that so okay background again. Last year they acquired a company called Revolve, which was like a smart home hub. And it was basically an aqua hire. They were looking for something that could be the center of your home. Google basically has launched the OnHub router now, which does that. And I don't know if it's a result of that or not. But yeah, 12, 18 months ago, they acquired this company Revolve. It was just a little thing you put in your house and it would plug all your internet of things, things together. Pretty cool, actually. And they sold it with a lifetime subscription, which is like, amateur mistake number one um and so google acquired it they said they'd keep it going for whenever it eventually rolled into nest and then they announced recently that it's just going to be switched off and the back ends uh services will be switched off and so those customers those people that own that thing can't use it anymore and at that point i was just like sitting on my couch and i was thinking these sonos speakers i have yeah. they could just be switched yeah. off at any time these these, uh, I, I have a smart thermostat. It could stop working at any time. Wall gardens it's, and quicksand. Wall gardens and quicksand. We don't, we don't own anything no. anymore. So like, and I was just thinking earlier about the business model in I, IoT is just not particularly good for a lot of these consumer tech companies too. Nest sells you a thermostat for what? 299, something along those lines. That is not enough to cover their server costs for what I would assume to be 10 years, right? You don't replace a thermostat particularly often mm-hmm. unless they're planning on trying to make you do that. So, Well, they're going to need to figure out a subscription server service. Oh, yeah, yeah. But how does that work? Like on your thermostat, is it, is it like upgraded features? You can, well, you can imagine this. Two degrees Celsius. Like imagine <laughs> yeah. when the cities have an API and... And wow, yeah, and You're really plugging it today. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we didn't agree to this, yeah, game. No, I'm so just I'm kidding. So it's fun. All right, I'm gonna get fired. Uh, no, but like, seriously, <laughs> imagine that the fire department ha- is a service that you consume via an API, and mm-hmm. the nest is connected to the nest smoke detectors. And in an apartment right. building, 30 of the nest smoke detectors start uh, pinging the city API to let the mm-hmm. fire department know that. Like, would you, I'd pay for that. I would pay. I would, I would pay for that if it worked better than the current Nest Protect does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that makes sense. I mean, if you look at what Nest is doing at the moment, so the, the one, they say they don't do any data sharing, but the one that they do is they share the data with electricity companies at the moment and it's all anonymized, but they use it to basically predict demand. So in cities that are air conditioning heavy, Nest shares that data 
And so the the idea is the electricity companies can respond to the demand by uh, increasing capacity at their generators or whatever it may be, or, or reducing capacity if it's if it's going to lower down. And that, that's kind of unprecedented for them. So those kind of things, maybe maybe Nest says, yeah, you can pay us five bucks a month and we'll talk to your electricity provider and get you the cheapest times to do this and it will save you $30 a month. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different a lot of different stuff they could do, but I think there's too many of these things going into the market right now with no, there's no end goal, right? Well, there's like, if they, there's, if they, it's like a smart umbrella, man. Like what? Well, if they, <laughs> if they come out with like, um, Elon Musk style, uh, batteries for your house and, right. um, start to get into being like they, so Google wants to be a utility. I mean, I think they've always wanted to be a mm-hmm. utility and that's pretty clear. Um, Google mm-hmm. Fiber is going to put both, most of the cable companies out of business. Um, I need that in the Netherlands. Oh, the, in New York, they, it's so much. They're they're installing wireless Google Fiber in basically every oh, street nice. corner in New York, so you won't need your Comcast wow. anymore. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, um, <laughs> if they can get into just being a, a holistic uh, uh, utility, then they're and they have like the Nest device, which is monitoring the home. Mm-hmm. Those efficiencies might be able to be passed back onto their batteries that they have, and like. You know, if right. you get this whole like if they can pull together the smart home ecosystem or like the the yeah. modern home ecosystem, I think smart home is a silly thing. But like the <laughs> ecosystem of, yep. of modern utility and how machine to machine is going to happen. Nest is just mm-hmm. a, a, a hub and a, and a spoke in in that machine to machine platform that's going to be required to have this really nice, efficient home. Right. I think I think it is an interesting play. I, I think that um, very soon, maybe it might be this year, but probably I would say next year, you'll start seeing a shake out of the the shittier guys that don't have a, a plan. So, I mean, at the moment, the market's being flood, right? F- flooded uh, by, by how many, like, if you go on Kickstarter, everybody has some sort of IoT idea. So I think I think that you'll start seeing less bullshit and more really smart ideas like you say stuff that actually works with each other to do something more useful for you than my light bulb now collects data about me for somebody's ad server (laughs) so i I think i you know i'm willing to pay a couple of bucks or maybe eventually you can aggregate it into a whole home system and you pay a couple of bucks towards that and then they divvy it up there's i mean apple's home kit could do that but it's you know it is interesting to see the the whole concept of ownership changing in a world where Google still can't even manage to update an Android phone for more than 12 months. So, yeah, you know, that's the, that's the concern is what happens if this company, I, maybe I buy that fancy Samsung smart fridge with the ridiculous 27 inch tablet on the front. How long, how long will it work? Will Samsung service it and give it updates? You know, what if HTTPS changes in five years? And the web browser's broken, and Samsung's just like, eh, you know, that, yep. that's the uh, that's the scary thing. But I hope we'll figure it out. And like you say, if we're paying regularly for it, I think they they will. So it'll be it'll be interesting. It's interesting times. I'm very hesitant to buy many a few different IoT things that I've considered, like the Belkin plugs. For this reason, I'm like, I I really like the idea of having a plug that can turn stuff on and off on a API basis. That's pretty cool. But will it work in two years? I don't know. And I don't know if I'm willing to pay 50 euro without the option to pay to keep it forever or have my own service. So 
I'll be watching intently, and I'm sure you are, John, as well, uh, given your uh, current line of work. So, Indeed. Uh, I was, <laughs> was going to read out uh, my favorite review from this week, just because, uh, of the podcast that is, uh, just because it was amusing. I don't know if you saw this one. I did not. Uh, we've, been, we've been asking a lot for people to review our podcast every week, Wait, so please review our podcast. Is it the review that I'm thinking about? The, the one that says... They asked. Stars. They asked for they asked reviews. Me too. <laughs> I laughed at Thank that you so too. Much. I, we I didn't like, mean. Wow. We meant write actual reviews, so we know what <laughs> yeah. the hell you like if you like reading this or not, or yeah, listening like, to this or not. If it's good, say what's good. If it's not, say what's bad. But no, I still appreciate it. I was like, that guy's on point. Uh, you know, we've had we've had actually some really really useful reviews, and uh, every time somebody's written us about it, we. Uh, Use the feedback. John started writing, his, uh, wrapping his microphone in uh, paper towels at first to, <laughs> to reduce I'm, the pop. It was I'm going truly to order, an innovative solution. I'm going to order that stupid thing. Oh man, so many things I have to do. Oh man, life is hard. <laughs> I can well, understand why people don't sleep. So not yeah. very many hours. Yeah, me too. But now that I'm like thinking, about oh, yeah. it, we're not ro- landing lock- rockets on barges. You don't work at the uh, next web anymore. I guess that's yeah, a, that's, it was my that's day, a, my last day this week. That was, oh, that's a piece that's of news. news. Yeah. Yeah. Reporter so Owen Friday. leaves the next web. No longer reporting. Yeah. So I left the next web and I start a new gig next week as a front end developer at a company called crew. I will put that in the show notes. It's pretty exciting. It'll be, it'll be very good, but the podcast will keep going. Yes. We'll be <laughs> so, here. Uh, so we'll be in the same same place, different time next week because we're recording this one late. But thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening. It was good to talk to you, John. All right, talk to you next week, Owen.